good to be together again as we continue our series of daily devotionals on the pastorals, the books of Timothy and Titus. Now, just as a side note, I know I'm skipping over the book of Philemon, which is traditionally also a part of this collection. Paul has directed his two young protégés, Timothy and Titus, to develop the churches of both Ephesus and Crete. In his absence, they are to appoint local leaders and defend the gospel against false teachers. I find some of the most powerful parts of these pastoral letters are Paul's more personal exhortations to Timothy and to Titus. And so today we're going to take some time to consider these encouragements, which are valuable for young leaders, but valuable, I think, to all Christians. Much of Paul's advice to Titus is very direct and instructional. Uh, Titus 2 covers such things as teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine, teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled and sound in faith, in love and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to too much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can encourage the younger women and so on. Also that no one will malign the word of God. And this is great advice. But we notice that when Paul gives similar advice and more fatherly counsel to Timothy, we notice that the tone is much more personal, more, more urgent, and I think more impassioned. Quite possibly this is because Paul knew more about Timothy's welfare and his context. That news had travelled from Ephesus to Rome much more readily. So what sort of encouragement does Paul offer to Timothy? Chapter 1, verse 18. Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to the faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected, and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. So Paul encourages Timothy to reflect back on his commissioning and his equipping for the ministry that he has in Ephesus. And so if we flag in enthusiasm or when we face opposition, it's a good thing to reflect back on our start in our various ministries, whether it was teaching a Sunday school class or leading a small group Bible study, running a soup kitchen, caring for the elderly, or maybe just welcoming newcomers at church, whatever it be. We remember why we started out serving Jesus and his people. We remember the need, the opportunity, the equipping and the training that we received. And we remember those who've gone before us in the same or similar ministry, passing on their ministry to us. Gratitude to God and to others is a great encouragement. And we remember that we're not doing it for our own personal glory or even our own personal satisfaction. We are doing it for the Lord Jesus. He is the one whom we serve and he is the one whom we aim to please. He is the one who equips us and empowers us for our role. So if you're flagging an enthusiasm for an area of ministry, take some time out to deliberately remember and intentionally go back over these things. Paul's second letter to Timothy, this same message is reinforced. So 2 Timothy 1.6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. 
For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. What you heard from me keep us the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. The power of Paul's example to Timothy should not be lost. At first glance, it might seem that Paul is kind of big-noting himself as if his example was perfect. But as we reflect further on Paul's words here, we notice that Paul is really directing Timothy to reflect on the grace of God as it was evidenced in Paul's ministry. The Spirit is the one who empowers and enables. And all this happens not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. So Paul's example was not perfect, but it should guide and inspire Timothy. And so in chapter 2, Paul continues, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown unless by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying. For the Lord will give you insight into all this. So the motivation of grace continues here. Timothy is to be strong in the grace. So also, this is a good place for us to start. Let God's grace shape our thinking and our doing. The call to join with others in their suffering. In this case, Paul also gives us food for thought and, and, and I think courage to act. Paul was prepared to suffer for the growth of the kingdom like a good soldier, like a disciplined athlete and like a hard-working farmer. Yes, it is worthy of our reflection as a testimony to the grace of God in action. And so Paul also writes to Timothy in chapter 3 of his second letter, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured? Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. If you've been part of the Growing Disciples course for a while now, you'll know that we are frequently called to do our work inwardly, rather than outwardly to change our thinking before trying to change our behaviour. 
And we do this because we know that all enduring transformation and personal change is the work of the Holy Spirit. We want to cultivate his work in our lives to make space for his activity. And so we meditate, we reflect and we pray and we remember and we consider. This is the work that we do in order to align ourselves with the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is a little different to our world's sort of activist mentality where you know we self-help our way to do this and to achieve that. Uh, not to say that uh, acting is not part of the change at all. I, I don't want to say that, but I want to encourage us to begin with our hearts and minds. Maybe today you'll think of an example of someone that you've personally known who has shown you the way as a Christian. Actually, why don't you make a list of five people whom God has used in your life as an example to follow? Perhaps the person who helped you become a Christian, or the people whom have helped you grow as a Christian. Whose example has inspired you the most? Who would you be pleased to emulate? See if you can make your list and give God great thanks for their role in your journey and be greatly encouraged.